once again, you know, thinking about McMaster sitting over here in the West OUA conference with their hands being like, hey, come on now. Like, why can't we host Ottawa in the first round of the playoffs? Max probably saying, we'll go to Ottawa if we have to. Give Ottawa the home game. We'll go take them on on the road. Hello and welcome to At The 55, your home for OUA football. Week 7 is in the books and with it comes the end of the regular season of the truncated 2021 OUA football season. Playoffs are here. Nate, it's been a bit of a rough end to the season. We kind of hit the probably peak level of OUA action probably about week four with some like really good games and maybe we got a little over cocky but the playoffs are here we're going to go into some of those scenarios but just what are some quick thoughts you have thinking about this you know season that seemingly has vanished in the blink of an eye well you talk about that peak and I think you know a lot of it has to do with with the sort of the learning process of the year and it was it was fun it was exciting to learn some new things have some new characters come into the fold and and you know but i feel like at the end you know boring maybe we're just kind of settling into sort of what really is what it is at that point so with that being said it's uh it feels about right to get in the playoffs at this point yeah, it's we got to give the people what they want, and there are some very uh, tantalizing playoff matchups. And normally, we would save these matchups for the episode that we'll be releasing later in the week when we preview the first round of the playoffs. But just because of some of the consternation, I suppose, online um, as far as specifically the West Division playoffs and how those broke down. Let's just kind of go over the seeding and how it worked out. I mean, firstly, in the East, the East is pretty chalk. Obviously, we know Queens on top, 6-0. and They'll be playing Carlton in the first round, hosting that in Kingston. The other matchup, UFT will be hosting Ottawa, rematch that we saw from week one. All that makes sense, whether we think UFT is actually better than Ottawa. We'll get that. We'll get to that when we go into the preview pod. Moving to the West side of things. Um, obviously, Western on top of the division. With the 5-1 and one record after blowing out Windsor, we'll get into that game momentarily. Then we had the scenario that we discussed last week where, based on the outcomes that we did get, we would have this sort of 3-3 three and three mishmash of Laurier, Waterloo, Guelph, and Mack, and who would be the odd man out, and... It, it it was pretty apparent that if those scenarios, if that scenario did play out, which would get Mac would be out because when you look at the common opponents of all four of those teams, they all played Windsor and Western. Mac, of course, losing in both those games and the other three teams picking up at least one. Then I know speaking for myself, and I think what caused a lot of people confusion was that I think a lot of people thought that once you eliminated uh, that possibility, um, well, I guess because, well, here's what here's how it works. Let's just go how it works out. Once Mac is out of the fold, you have to then take into account the fact that Waterloo, Laurier, and Guelph all also played uh, McMaster as an additional common opponent. And as we saw this past week, we'll get into it. Guelph, of course, lost to Mac. And Waterloo, as we saw early in the year, got beat up by Mac pretty good. Laurier uh, picked up the W. Um, in their matchup versus uh, the Marauders. When was that? That was, what, two weeks ago? I'm trying to remember when that happened. It seems like... Yeah, uh, two, two weeks ago, exactly. About yeah. two weeks ago. So you add that into the fold, and so then out of the three common opponent teams that these teams in Guelph, Laurier, and Waterloo now share, 
it then puts Laurie at two and one in those three matchups, whereas Waterloo and Guelph would only be one and two. So then Laurier gets taken out of that sort of mixture. They get the second seed. Then with Guelph and Waterloo, you, we can just do the head-to-head since they played each other. And of course, we remember Guelph took that game at home a couple weeks ago. So although it feels odd to think that uh, Waterloo beat Laurier twice this year and fairly handedly in both affairs, we'll get to the most recent of those matchups uh, in a few moments. Um that's just the way it's going to break down. So in the West, we're going to have Waterloo traveling to London to take on the Mustangs, and we will have Guelph traveling to Laurier to take on the Golden Hawks. Makes sense, maybe, kind of. <laughs> Based on the rules, I guess it's what we're going to have to go with. There's some rules and some things happened, and this is the result. So Exactly. So we'll get sort of into our business as usual at this point. Um Let's start with our, our our awards that we'll hand out. Um, let's start on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, Nate, who do you want to acknowledge this week on offense? Well, I'm looking uh, I'm looking at someone who, you know, kind of put on a heroic performance to keep his team alive in the season. Uh, I'm talking about Trey Ford um, doing his thing against Laurier this weekend, which is no slouch on the defensive end, as we know. Um, 17 to 27 through the air, 290 yards and three passing touchdowns. And for me, that was sort of, um, you know, what I had sort of criticized the team about um, going into this game was sort of um, getting more offense on schedule, um, less of those sort of uh, uh, scrambles that turn into punt returns from Trey Ford, and they were able to generate some some real uh, more scheduled offense this week. And then obviously he was still able to contribute and do his thing on the ground he is the third leading rusher in the in the conference uh 10 carries 97 yards uh really an impressive performance and at a time when they needed it most so shout out to trey ford who you got zach well i gotta go with my heart on this one and i gotta give a little shout out to philip grohovic i'm not even sure if i'm pronouncing his last name correctly and i apologize if i'm not but for those of you saying, who the hell is Philip Grohovic? He is the offensive lineman for the Western Mustangs who caught a touchdown in the end zone in that 66 to nothing blowout. If an offensive lineman or a lineman of any capacity, got to give love to the D-line as well, scores a touchdown, you better be damn sure I'm going to give them some acknowledgement. And in this case, I'm giving Philip my offensive player of the week. I mean, obviously you could have had, you know, that touchdown and all three of Trey Humes' touchdowns not count for Western and they still would have won that game. I don't give a hoot. It's an offensive lineman scoring touchdown. He's my player of the week. Let's move it over to the defensive side of the ball. Nate, who do you like? Well, Zach, I, I like your your call out there. And, you know, I'd almost think you were jealous of him, but I really think you were sort of uh, living vicariously through him. So, you know, I can appreciate Real quick. it. Yeah. <laughs> Not jealous of him, jealous of my former teammate Matt Topin, who actually got to catch it as an, uh, get an offensive lineman touchdown for us when we played Western in the OUA semifinal in 2015. But I digress on that. He is the better athlete between us. I'm sorry to cut you off there, but yes, sorry. No, no, it's good to know that uh, there is some film of that back in the day. I don't know, maybe Guelph was looking to dig that up um, if they made it to the conference finals against Western, but maybe not now, Zach. You blew it for them. Now, now they don't remember. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, for defense for me, um, I'm going to go with, uh, you know, a team that got the shutout on the day. Um, Western, obviously, shutting Windsor to zero points, and I'm going to go with Daniel Valente. Um, you know, a few tackles on the day, but also contributed a force fumble and two picks. 
Um, so contributing to uh, three turnovers, that's a pretty big deal and is about as good as you can get from the defensive side of the ball. So he's my defensive player of the week. Who you got? Absolutely. He's a menace there at safety for them. Um, just one of the standouts on the defensive end of the ball. I'm going to go with Michael Reed, linebacker for the Waterloo Warriors. Five tackles, two picks. Um and just, you know, such a pivotal game. And we'll get into it. And you were kind of mentioning we were talking before recording that the final score of that game, if, if you're just doing box score watching, isn't really indicative of how competitive this game was. So any turnovers really in this one and, and uh, not to sort of step on the conversation we'll get into on that one. Uh, Waterloo winning the uh, the turnover battle, I think, for nothing, which against the Laurier team that if they do one thing really well, it's turn teams over. Um but yeah, so two interceptions for Michael Reed, five tackles. I mean, he's been a stud for them all year. Um, he's going to get my my uh, my defensive player of the week. Uh, moving over to specials, Nate, who do you like? Um, it's got to be the Blues, right, Zach? It's got to be U of T. Um, you know, didn't generate much offense on the day, but that special teams unit coming through with three touchdowns, <laughs> that's pretty darn good. So um, if I remember correctly, you know, Ethan McKinnon, had a 75-yard punt return. Lucas Stoikos with a kickoff return. And I believe it was Cody Hale who recovered a blocked punt in the end zone. Um, probably, I would say, uh, probably comfortably the best special teams outing for any team in the conference so far this year. Um, really impressive for the Blues and kind of, you know, getting gaining some momentum for them heading into the, their uh, first playoff berth in quite some time. Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, the three special teams touchdowns, you know, it, it helps make sense of the fact that and we'll get into this when we get to that game that, you know, despite the lopsided nature of the final score, I believe York actually put up more total yards on offense, which is just mind boggling. So clearly, obviously, special teams playing a large role in that, to say the least. Um, you know, I'm going to give uh, a shout out to a guy who, despite ending up on the losing side of the Guelph Mac game, uh, wide receiver Keandre Smith, who in his own right had a great game receiving um, as well. You know, there was a, one of the one of Law's interceptions or it might have only been the only interception. I'm not remembering off the top of my head. It went off of Keandre's hands. But just as far as the return game for him, uh, you know, as a punt returner, nine returns, 102 yards, a long of 50 kickoff returns, one of which I think includes a, uh, a kickoff off of a safety, but 144 total yards there, a long of 80, just sort of rounding up. And then you add in the 100 yards he got on, on the receiving end of things. Obviously, that doesn't shouldn't factor in for the special teams performance, but just a hell of a game for him when the ball was in his hands, whether on offense or returning it for them on specials. This guy was making plays and was almost single-handedly, uh, oh, pretty much single-handedly, we go into that third quarter, we'll get into that in a bit, was, you know, was keeping Guelph in that game. Um, so shout out to Keandre. Um, obviously, we saw what he and Clark Barnes did the week prior against UFT and, you know, We'll, we'll leave it at that because we'll obviously get into that matchup. Um, obviously, last little bit of housekeeping. Who's back? Nate, who do you like Who for who's back? Uh, I'm going to say the Waterloo Warriors. Uh, back for now. We know <laughs> they do have to travel. <laughs> they have to travel to London next week. Uh, but I just, man, we, we buried them a little bit early last week on the pod. So uh, I feel like they deserve some credit kind of turning things around there against Laurier, coming up with the big win at home. So back... For now, <laughs> who you got? 
Well, in all fairness, it was actually Western who buried them, and then we just sort of, you know, put a stone or two on what we thought was the grave. But it looks like, you know, in the season of Halloween, you know, the the zombie arm punched out of the the the, you know. Anyways, um, I'm gonna give my who's back to a guy that I think I already gave a who's back to from week one, uh, Mr. Trey Humes. Uh, I believe he missed two weeks in a row. Don't know the full dis- uh, extent of whether it was injury related or what it might have been. Um, but picking up three touchdowns on the day, you know, a lot of those were kind of goal line situations, punching him in. His yardage wasn't too, too high. But, you know, just coming off of uh, a couple missed weeks. And, uh, you know, to me, the, the funny part of that performance um, is that, you know, the way I see it is the only person happier than his teammates and family seeing him pick up those three t- touchdowns is probably Rashid Tucker and the Queens Gales thinking that, oh, okay, you know, we probably expected Keon Edwards to get another 100-plus yard game, at least two touchdowns. And uh, a lot of those touchdowns, three of those touchdowns went to uh, Trey Humes and then an offensive lineman that could have easily gone to uh, Keon. So uh, shout-out to Trey Humes back in action and uh, shout-out to uh, Rashid Tucker for on the bye week, probably biting his nails, hoping that he could keep that OUA MVP conversation tight uh, despite not being... Uh, in action for the week um but we'll get to all that as we sort of move forward uh through the playoffs and everything like that so we'll start off um with the first game of the week once again we had a thursday night affair carlton versus ottawa the rematch of the panda final score in this one the ggs 24 the ravens 19 uh you know apologies to uh you know the fans out there follow our content we just I'll put that one this one on me just completely missed the boat and getting the line and spread out for this game um but yeah so we had you know Carlton coming off of a bye week coming off of that yeah the blowout they they suffered at the hands of your gales and then we had Ottawa getting uh you know beat and the final score definitely made it look bad but you know a, a competitive game through I'd say about two and a half quarters against Queens. Um, and uh, yeah, so th- this game, I'd say, you know, off the jump, you know, Ottawa got out to such a furious fast start putting up, going up 17 nothing so quick that it feels like, you know, that's obviously a hard mountain to climb. But f- this, I think, was one of the better performances I, I feel like we've gotten from the, um, you know, and I'm probably still not going to be able to say his name properly, but Reed Van Kunit led Carlton Ravens. You know, obviously that's a big hurdle at the climb, but I, you know, I, I do think there was some promise uh, from what we saw for that for them. Whether that's going to translate to success against Queens, that remains to be seen. What were some of your thoughts watching the uh, part two installment of the uh, the Panda game here? Yeah, well, I can tell you, I was definitely concerned early. Um, as you mentioned, yeah. <laughs> uh, that 17 point early, I was like, whoa, is this Queens all over again for Carlton? But no, no, fought their way back in the game. Um, you know, you mentioned Revan Conant, and it was better. It was better still. <laughs> the numbers aren't going to blow you away, um, but it's important for him to be better, especially heading into Queens. You know, another thing that's important for a young quarterback is sort of managing turnovers. Um, you know, he fumbled the ball twice, but didn't lose either of them. No picks, you know, it's, it's good enough, you know, from a rookie quarterback and the reality is for them, it's going to have to be the running game. Um, anyways, he provided them a good compliment, but obviously, um, not enough to sort of overcome this Ottawa team who really, uh, I feel has gotten the rushing game going. Um, and you look at sort of heading into U of T and kind of 
going all the way back to week one um, where Ottawa's offense, obviously putting 10 points up on U of T was not a great day for them. Um, it feels like they've made some strides since then. So um, in that running game, you know, we'll be big for them next week as well. Well, yeah, you mentioned the running game. I mean, JP ending up with 113 Dawson O'Day with 83 yards, which is kind of once again, going back to some of the thoughts we had about teams at the beginning of the year, that definitely is some of the potential that uh, we thought we could see from that that duel in the in the backfield. Uh, and yeah, you talk about sort of where they and UFT have gone, you know, despite what UFT did against York, and we'll get into that momentarily, definitely feels like Ottawa's taken some strides and and by by no one more than you know the quarterback Ben Miracle. I mean, when you kind of look at the some of the top performers at QB in the league this year, I mean, there's obviously the names that we're all familiar with, and you know, if if you were gonna sort of just remove actual performances and just say like who are the quarterbacks you're taking, I mean, we still know the names that like you want to take, but Ben Miracle, and we talk about we we do our stock watch game, is a guy whose stock I think has risen tremendously throughout this year. Um, and it'll be really exciting to see them moving forward with them. Um, you know, quick shout out to uh, Daniel Odejo, guy we had on the podcast when we did the offseason walkthrough tour for the outstanding jump ball touchdown he had. I think that was the TD that put them up 17 nothing or one of the touchdowns in that mixture. Uh, hell of a hell of a performance by him. And, uh, you know, you mentioned the Carlton running game that, you know, if Carlton's going to have any success and any chance against Queens, you know, yeah, uh, Reed needs to, you know, 220 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. Yeah, the fumbles, they didn't lose those. Obviously, you'd like to see him, you know, maybe get it in the end zone uh, once. But, you know, if the run game, you know, what we talk about with Ferguson and with Carter, um, it's that's been a little suspect of late um you know the leading rusher for them today was a guy who whose name i'm seeing for the first time you know having watched this game now but who also has you know i'm maybe gonna mispronounce his last name one of the coolest names i think i've ever seen i'm gonna call him freud caesar like that's like that would be my rapping name i think that just sounds so dope but you know 75 carries for him but you'd think that what we've seen from carter and ferguson over the years if they can put up numbers that we'd expect them to do and read to you know kind of the classic game manage don't turn the ball over you know if they get the run game play action like you'd think that's where they can have success but you know on the whole obviously uh it's a different beast when we compare say who ottawa is versus the queen's team that they'll be facing next week and on the road as well well it's tough too like you look at i guess evaluating sort of the bigger picture for this ravens team obviously it was supposed to be a big big year for them um but then you lose your quarterback a week into the year. And I don't know how the eligibility thing's going to work, but this is sort of, you know, the Carlton program going forward. Um, you know, Nathan Carter's not going to be around much longer. You know, I don't know what the status of Tanner Young will be going forward. So um, definitely sort of a changing of the guard happening here at Carlton, still continuing to work out the kinks here. Um, but it's been tough for them. It's been tough for them. And, I mean, it's good for these guys to gain experience, but um, yeah, I can't, you know, not to, you know, knock on wood here. Just, you know, I don't want any jinx or anyone from Queens coming after me, but uh, it doesn't seem like their their season will continue much longer for me. So, no, definitely not. And we'll probably get into this a little bit on the pod later in this week when we actually go through the matchups. But you know, not 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 to be disrespectful towards the Ravens, but you kind of think like, well. 
man, it would be nice actually if it was like, say, McMaster playing <laughs> Queens in that first round matchup. If we did a little, get a little crossover action. I mean, this is, you know, Canadian football. We're in the CFL. We'd actually do that dang thing, but whatever. We'll put this one to bed. Uh, you know, the unfortunate, we were hoping that if, if York were able to have picked up the win, we'll get to that momentarily, then we would have actually got the third matchup between these two teams in the first round. I'm not much of a betting man, but I'm willing to bet at least some amount of money that we won't see round three. Um, while I may be picking Ottawa over Toronto, I, like yourself, I don't love Carlton's chances against Queens, but we will get to that later on. So let's put that one to bed. Move over to our Saturday games where we will start with the uh, Guelph Griffins on the road taking on the Master Marauders. Mac taking this game 27-22. to And, you know, I... I don't think I've ever been in this situation. I'm curious if, if you have as well, where I, I'm trying to remember which game ended early, but a situation where, you know, Mac was, it was a tight game for most of the ball game. They pulled away a little bit towards the end, but where because of Waterloo pulling away so dramatically towards the end of that Laurier game, it became quite apparent. They were talking about it on the broadcast that win or lose for Mac, that Waterloo game, that Waterloo victory, as you know, we kind of set up how some of those tiebreakers worked was going to eliminate Mac either way. So kind of just off the jump, have you ever been in a situation like that where win or lose or just like just scoreboard watch? Like, have you, have you ever had a situation remotely like that as a player or as a coach? Uh, as a player, I mean, it's hard because I don't remember the exact scenarios, but there, you know, I remember um, in second year, there was a situation where our last game would have determined like a home playoff game for us or something like that. But I actually didn't end up mattering. Um, our, my third year, we were in a similar situation um, where we had to win and get in, but then we didn't win and get in. So, (laughs) and then, and then kind of, I think my fifth year was like, and I said winning, like win and you needed a, a bunch of other things that happened to get in, but we didn't win that either. So like nothing, I mean, I guess some things close, but I, you know, I I can imagine there was some hope around the sidelines, and you know, as much you, as much as you want to always, you know, I'm sure the coach, oh, you don't look till after the game, like it doesn't matter, we yeah. take care of our business. Like at the end of the day, like you know, in the back of your head, sort of what the circumstances are, and like honestly, like that's why I like have a lot of respect for this MAC team because I know sort of being in that circumstances myself, I know it kind of, it really affected how we played and didn't really get sort of, you know, comes that we desired in the past. So it was, you know, I think it was sort of a, a I guess a big pride thing for them. And obviously they're hoping to get in, but, um, and I'm sad, I'm sad not to see them get in myself. So uh, definitely uh, uh, a, a bit of a letdown underachieving season, whatever you want to call it for the Marauders. Cause um, you know, obviously, I can I feel confident saying definitely Yates Cup aspirations at the beginning of the year well you know definitely I mean we'll have to go back and listen to some of the predictions and thoughts we had about where we thought how we thought this year was going to shake out going back to the preseason and Mac was a team that I I don't know if I had them winning the Yates but I had them you just sort of I, I I might have had them running the table on their schedule or coming close to it. I was I was very high on this team going into it. Very high on Carlton as well, but obviously the the obvious reason why that kind of fell apart. I can I can tell you Zach, you did pick them over Western week 1. <laughs> 
fair. Uh, that yeah, <laughs> I do remember that. Um, but real quick, we did have some lines for this one. We had uh, Mac plus one and a half, so obviously them picking up the win there. Over under on this game, forty four and a half points. So uh, just sneaking over that one. Ultimately, this game played out all too familiar for me, like how a Mac Guelph game. Uh, goes down you made the joke that Guelph winning and Ron Joyce doesn't feel right and uh you know while I may have pushed back on that out of just you know the sheer emotion of it I mean this did play out like a Mac Guelph game normally does I mean what was it through the first half we had you know it was 7-3 after one and then what you get 12 to 9 at the half and just quickly looking like Eric Strons was going to be our special teams player of the week and a good performance by him kicking it going four for four but uh, you know a strong defensive battle really giving each other fits and you know kind of moving over to uh the quarterback position you know n- neither performance really standing out uh you know Lal finishing 302 one TD1 pick Duick finishing with 213 one TD one pick I really this was a game of defense and special teams like as far as the offensive side of the ball was there anything that really stood out to you in this one or do you kind of see it with the same sort of narrative uh i would say very similar i mean for you know law the output of 300 yards um i mean you're not going to be every too mad at that but um obviously just kind of hovering above 50 percent completion percentage on the day um i could tell you going through this game afterwards there were you know, a lot of missed throws that, you know, could have, should have, would have been completed there. Um, I don't know how windy it was at the game. I know it was a bad weather day in general for the OUA, but um, as we all know, that tends to happen in November uh, in Southern Ontario. So um, that's something they're going to have to deal with. Like it wasn't great, but I think um, (laughs) it's better than some other games they've had this year um, on offense, whether it be uh, Queens or Windsor, stuff like that, or, you know, this Mac defense is tough, and for them to still get um, a decent output on the day, I think is I, you know, uh, uh, I don't know if I go as far to say a good sign, but let's just say, you know, as a as a Guelph doubter, Zach, you know, <laughs> as a Guelph doubter, um, it calls it calls a you know, it makes me doubt a little bit less. Let's say sure. Well, I mean, you're like that's a that's a really good point because. I mean, obviously for Guelph, uh, not as many stakes on the line for them in this game. I, I think there was a situation that coupled obviously with them losing could have knocked them out of the playoffs, but I think that would have included Windsor beating Western. Um, so ultimately not too, too much on the line for them in that case. But I think as you kind of alluded to, uh, you know, we've seen what that offense has been able to put together when they're at home in Guelph, but seeing if they can take the show on the road. And, you know, obviously... Well, I think there was a scenario where, once again, assuming if Windsor were to have beaten Western and Guelph won and some other things, that Guelph could have ended up first in the division and then obviously had home field until a you know a theoretical Yates Cup if they were to go to have to play Queens. Um, just being able to see a little more production from that offense on the road, but now given the way it's broken down where they're going to Laurier, and an, another very tough defense. So, you know, not, we, not to spoil that a little bit, but it's, ugh. This is a team, Zach, that's 0-3 on the road. So to not get that home playoff game uh, 
yeah, it's going to influence my pick. Let's just say that. Totally. And you, and you know what? I think there's something to be said too about, uh, how do I word this? Like, not I mean, and because also I don't want to take away from what Max defense was able to do, but when we kind of look at the thing was late in the third quarter, um, you know, to, to quote I guess like Skip Bayless, a little bit of the clutch gene missing from from Guelph, where you know talked about what Keandre was doing for them on special teams and just consecutive or it might have been three possessions in a row where he set them up with great field position on returns, um, and then Guelph turned the ball over on all three of those drives inside the 20 one being a very weird QB sneak they were trying to perform with I don't even know if he's an actual Q uh, what that was he so you know a little disheartening on, on that front too where it's like you you gotta get points I mean it, like once again I don't I don't want to take away from Max defense because you know they obviously played a massive role in causing those turnovers and shutting the door but kind of all these things as we're saying there's a, the I guess it's it's simultaneously the best offensive performance we've seen from them on the road but it's just you know given that you know it, that would be great if this was week six or week five and there was still time for them to grow and develop a little bit um but you know chips are on the table they're gonna be in Laurier a week well in in six days from now taking on the Golden Hawks as we said another good defense another defense that save for this week we'll get into shortly turns teams over so you know great for Guelph they're in the playoffs unfortunate for Mac uh missing out um yeah not sure of Duick's status as far as coming back um we'll get into that a little bit later what, what are some other thoughts you had yeah R.I.P. Mac you know uh first time and I'm sure quite some time I'm sure someone will have this stat on Twitter sometime this week the last time someone won the Yates Cup and didn't make the playoffs the following year um but you know just when I heard that they make the playoffs I just uh you know, feels wrong. My 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 mind it just went back to that Windsor game, man. It, all those those yeah. silly penalties, and really, it was a bench penalty, a bench penalty that set up the winning touchdown. So, I mean, you know, I used to have a coach that would always say, uh, "Shit, that's football." <laughs> well, shit, that is football. So let's put that one to bed. Um, Hasta la vista to the McMaster Marauders. On, though, to part two of the Battle of Waterloo. Hello there, friends. Sorry to interrupt what I'm sure was some great OUA football talk, but I just want to remind you super quick that if you want to help support our brand and in the process support Stella's Place, you can always visit our website at the55.ca, visit the store, and get yourself hooked up with some of our great gear. We still have masks hats and our dry fit t-shirts so at the 55.ca slash store is the place to be to get all that and as we said it not only supports us but it helps out Stella's Place the non-for-profit that helps young people deal with their mental health by providing a number of resources and really reinforcing the importance of peer support and community so we're all about helping them out you can also visit their website www.stellasplace.ca to find out more about them but at the 55.ca is the place to be for our merch that as we said supports Stella's Place as well back to the conversation 36 to 8 uh the line we had on this one we had Waterloo minus two and a half clearly uh going way uh, above on that one and picking up the win as well over under Set up 45 and a half points. Math, 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 math. Just going underneath that by a touch. Um, you know, as you were saying, we, we, we touched on it a little bit uh, already. 
the final score not really indicative of how this one was playing out you know i i think people expected that this would be a obviously a a fiercely competitive game just by the nature of the rivalry and the no lost love between these two teams and given that this was ostensibly a playoff game um uh for specifically for waterloo um and of course depending on how some other things worked it would have been I forget the scenarios for Laurie to have not won, but a little trickier for them to have not made it. But, you know, uh, when we talk about that Mac Guelph game, compe- uh, you know, expected a competitive game and on the sort of lower scoring, sort of tight battle side of things. I think that sort of matches those teams' identities and historically how they performed. But I, I ha- my hunch for this one was, yeah, competitive. I was going into this one thinking Laurie had the edge just how these teams were playing, but... I had it more in the sense of competitive, but probably in a not necessarily shootout, but that both teams were going to put up points and that, you know, a costly turnover here or there or whatever it might be was going to be the deciding factor. But once again, through one quarter, it's Laurier seven, uh, it's Laurier seven, Waterloo three at the half. It's Waterloo 11, uh, Laurier 7, and then, you know, through three quarters, it's 11 to 8. I mean, and then Waterloo just pouring in 25 points in the fourth quarter to put this one to bed and obviously make the score look a little lopsided. How did you feel about the fact that this was such a tightly contested, or sorry, let me frame that, not that it was such a low-scoring, tightly contested ballgame. I think we expected this one to be tight, but did that surprise you at all, or am I on an island thinking that that was a bit of a, a shock, and obviously weather played a factor too? Well, I mean, I don't want to be uh, too disparaging here, but if I'm being honest, I don't think this is a Laurier team that can put up a lot of points. Um, so that's one thing. Um, but I could tell you sort of after the first drives of this game, Zach, I was excited because both teams went uh, down the field on each other, respectively, Waterloo settling for a field goal. And uh, Caracelo had a drive. Um, I remember tweeting out how impressive it was. Um, really just drove them right down the field. I don't know if he had an incompletion, um, led to the touchdown. I was like, whoa, exactly. Are, are we have a shootout on our hands. Are we finally seeing this Laurie offense put it together? Oh, my God. And then it all fell flat. <laughs> From there, um, a lot of back and forth, a lot of punts, that kind of thing. And, you know, it's easy to look at, at the scoreboard, as we kind of mentioned. It's you know, I I don't want to say it's fool's gold or anything like that, but it was really just a a quick string of a few plays. Um, Waterloo, you know, had to drive down the score to put them ahead. Next thing you know, ensuing kickoff, Laurier messes that up somehow. Waterloo has the ball real close. They score again. Next thing you know, I think it was a Laurier interception or something. The following drive, Waterloo scores again, and within the span of a couple minutes, this game was over. Um but, uh, you know, I leave this game and Waterloo looked good. And I kind of, I don't know, some of my suspicions of Laurier, I feel I feel I should have known better. I should have known better. Um, granted, they're at home against a, well, a Guelph team who you know, have some doubts for them as well, you know. So, um, you know, I'm not saying they can't advance or anything like that. But um, on the offensive side of the ball, I mean, there's just, there's just not a lot, not a lot there for me. No, and and you make a you make a good point, and you know, just two offensive guys talking here, so not to be too you know uh, unfair to the defensive side of the ball, but in saying that, like, well, 
hey, you know, the defense didn't cause any turnovers. Like that's a, that's a tall task to, to ask for, especially against a uh, a Waterloo team that, despite some bumps in the road, should be a very strong offense. We obviously know who the players are, who who the stars are, but. I don't think it's too unfair just given the what this team has done all year. I mean, you look at the interception leaders in the OUA, the top two, it's Christian Hutter-Copper and Tommy Bringy, both tied with three, and then very closely behind Willemo as two of his own. They, this team forces fumbles. This team causes havoc on defense. And whether, similarly going back to that stretch in the third quarter, Guelph-Mac, where Mac was shutting the door, was that Guelph kind of, you know, underperforming a bit, or was that Mac, you know, Maybe it just comes down to what you're saying. That's just football. But I, I do think that the recipe for victory for Laurier is that their defense causes turnovers and does set up the offense. I totally agree. The offense isn't on its own, just sort of in a vacuum. Uh, stellar. I mean, we saw what Anteaguavon did the week prior, and obviously he's one of the best receivers in the league. Um, but just as far as the sort of winning reps, recipe for the team as a whole, if they're not turning the ball over, I don't. I, I'm not going to take them to win, and, but having said that, I'm I go into pretty much, you know, m- most Laurie games in the second half of the season, assuming that we're going to see a pick, we're going to see a forced fumble by them or something of that nature. So once again, I don't know if that's being unfair to uh, just sort of o- offensive bias here um, on my part, um, but I just think that is part of their identity. So the fact that whether it was Waterloo just doing a better job of protecting the rock and especially in bad weather, you'd think that that would prompt even more turnovers, you know, balls going off a receiver's hand. And we definitely saw a number of those across the league. But so that's 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 where for me, I, I still think that this Laureate team has potential because to me, this the, you know, obviously we saw what special teams causing a lot of points for uh, Waterloo to come sort of late in the game as well. But this team is going to win win games on their defense. And, you know, I, I will say the defense underperformed a little bit, but that's only because I hold them to a very high standard just because of how well we've seen them perform all year long. Does that, does that seem fair? Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. And kind of, I don't know, for me, kind of the difference is like, I mean, it's easy to compare this team to Guelph, for example. Both teams very good defenses yeah. and lackluster offenses. But there have been times, there have been times where I've seen, you know, the Guelph offense put it together for a bit. There's been a game, you know, granted it's against U of T. Um, you know, they're able to throw the ball for 400 yards. I mean, they're capable of doing that stuff. Um, for Lori, I haven't really seen anything as explosive for them. It has been like almost, I don't want to say completely defensive driven, but it's a fair point. It's a limitation. And, you know, that's the reality of this. If you can't generate those turnovers, then they're going to have a hard time because in all the games they've won, it's been a significant factor. Totally. And, and for, and just for Waterloo, cause obviously not to, you know, talk so much about how some, some odd bounces at the end of the game made this in the lopsided affair. Like they, they, they won this game. Like I, I give them all the credit. And when you look at, you know, obviously what Trey did, but then you look at some of his go-to targets this year started off a little weird for them where, you know, we talked a bit about that the, the offense felt maybe more well-rounded, but not as like dynamic or explosive. And I think part of the surprise for me at least was that we were seeing James Basiliga at the beginning of the year, getting these touchdowns that I think a lot of people were expecting would be going to Gordon Lamb or to Rashawn Dagelman, another guy who's been in that system for a while. And so I don't know if this means anything or it's just sort of me connecting sort of random dots, you know, random statistics. But the fact that, you know, 
Gordon Lamb finishing with 105, one touchdown. Dagelman, 105 yards as well, receiving two touchdowns. And Basilea still with a solid 69 yards receiving as well. Like, I don't know if that means anything in the sense that, like, oh, that's 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 finally that Waterloo offense, like, performing a bit more as I thought they would be. Might just be arbitrarily me kind of looking at the outcome of it. But, you know, good to obviously see Lamb, you know, this year obviously didn't live up to what we saw he was capable of doing back in 2019. So, obviously, who you know, you give your who's back to Trey. Obviously, if Gordon's getting it going for them at receiver two, that's going to be a big thing. For, that's going to be a huge part for them to have a, a chance against Western next week. No, and I, I kind of alluded to that in the beginning, too, is that, you know, over the past couple of weeks um, in those losses, it's been it's turned into what, what a, you know, what I would call, you know, sort of backyard football for that offense. And, you know, yesterday was a lot of three step drop, you know, balls coming out on time, Trey's anticipating throws, um, you know, it looked a lot better for them. So uh, they'll need to continue that next week for sure. Absolutely. Um, and once again, it feels weird that Waterloo beats this team twice in the season, and yet Waterloo's going on the road for the first round against the Purple Ponies, and Laurier gets to host a, a Guelph Griffin team that we have question marks about. But once again, shit, that's football, eh? Um, so moving on to our last two games here, you know, I just a little a little inside baseball. We normally just follow the games as they're listed on the OUA website as far as how we cover them. Um, I implore you, our our, our dear listeners and fans you know how much we love you and we know how much you love us please don't tune out at this point i know we're getting into the toronto york and the western windsor portion of the show stick around with us please you know we love you just just hang out with us so we'll start with the toronto york game final score in this one the blues taking out their crosstown rivals in the rematch of the argo cup red and blue bowl battle of toronto 41 to 7 we had York as the underdog, plus six and a half points. The over-under in this one, 33 and a half, which Toronto single, single-handedly took care of. Um, the story of this game is obviously this, just the performance of the special teams. I mean, we mentioned how weather was kind of a factor all across you know, um, the province. Uh, in most of these games, n- none more than in, in this one. I mean, the... <laughs> The, just watching the footage of the game, like there was times where you could barely even tell what was going on. It was coming down so hard. Yeah, they, uh, they and, were they were wiping off the yeah. camera every five minutes <laughs> on the broadcast. So, you know, so, like what a, I guess I guess more entertaining than their last matchup. I guess, uh, while perhaps on the whole, just still a just what you call it, a, a a bad football game. But, you know, like, how does it end up where is, I think I, I made a note, it was late in the fourth. York's up a, up 33 net yards on offense, yet they they were down 34 points. That's, that shouldn't happen. <laughs> that Like, and obviously you talk about all the special teams performances, but like, that just, that shouldn't happen. I mean, I, I don't really know what I want to say about this team. I don't, or this game in general. I, I don't, take too much away for Toronto going into that matchup even though they're hosting Ottawa and we saw them pick up that win in week one and dive into that more detail in our pod later in the week um and for York I I I got nothing to say uh it's it's a it's an unfortunate season one that uh many probably predicted saw coming uh obviously there's some promise for this team at times some things that you can take away I mean it's good to see Avante McCoy in his rookie year for them show some signs of life um in the rushing game for them in the later half of the year but 
I don't I don't know. I mean, we joked about not covering this game out of protest, <laughs> sort of boycotting covering it. So I, I don't know. Do you, you have anything you want to say from, from watching this a little more thoroughly, a little more carefully than I was? Sure. If we <laughs> <laughs> we're contractually obligated. <laughs> well, I think the thing is for for Toronto, I mean, you can look at the special teams and say, yeah, that's great. That's awesome. It is awesome. Uh, well done. You know what I mean? But um you know there have been other teams that have been able to do this against york i remember we gave a i think we gave ottawa special teams or the coordinator special teams yeah. player of the week Nate or Taylor, something yeah. when they played against york as well so um toronto not the only special teams unit having success against this team um from the toronto side um you know it's fantastic you know to have a home playoff game um, and a playoff game in general for the first time in, in 26 years, uh, you know, it's remarkable. It's big for the program. Um, but, you know, it's been several weeks now that this offense has struggled. Um, as you mentioned, got out gained by York today. You know, it was rough against Guelph. It was rough against York previously. Um, you know, didn't have the best game the last time they played Ottawa either. Um, so, that's just something I'm going to keep an eye on. We know they have the guys, we know they have the horses. Um, you know, they're going to have to, they're going to have to be better, <laughs> you know, in the most simple way of putting it, uh, they're gonna have to do better if they're going to want to continue their season. Uh, Nate, the, the total, the, yeah. the, sorry, the, the total offense disparity in this game, York had 268 yards of offense to UFT's 176. Like what the F man? Like I'm, oh, <laughs> <laughs> Once again, you know, thinking about McMaster sitting over here in the West OUA conference with their hands being like, hey, come on now. Like, why can't we host Ottawa in the first round of the playoffs? Max probably saying, we'll go to Ottawa if we have to. Give Ottawa the home game. We'll go take them on on the road. Like, No, I'm sure. And they're saying, you know what? U of T, you lost to Carlton. I'm sure we'd beat Carlton. You beat York twice. Congratulations. I'm sure we could do yeah. that. You know, that kind of thing. But... This is the way it is this year. And, uh, you know, like many other things in life, I, I've done it, you know, as well as, you know, you're just talking up the COVID, man. That's <laughs> it is what it is. We're happy to have a season. Um, you know, undoubtedly, Magus the short end of the stick in this whole thing. We knew it was going to be someone yeah. from that West division. Um, but just one concluding point. I mean, it's it, it's going to be a long off season for York. Um you know, we talk about some things to, to hang their hat on, defense being one of them. Mm -hmm. um, you know, but other than that, I mean, some serious um, reevaluation going on. Uh, we knew it was going to be a rebuilding year, but, um, you know, definitely a lot of building left to be done. Uh, let's just say that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, rebuilding like they they might just need a foundation before they can start doing any thoughts of building whether it's rebuilding or otherwise and whatever that invokes or you know some you know they got to do something because this this wasn't great and, and to the point about the COVID season I mean you're right and we, we were lucky enough to have a number of coaches join us sort of preseason going into going into this year and you know a lot of them obviously acknowledged I mean I remember talking with coach JP Cercelli for Windsor that yeah it was uh you know it's going to be a bad beat for them. And we're about to get into that game. And I think it's, this was nothing but a positive year on the whole for, for a team in the Lancers. But you know, most coaches responses when talking about that is like, 
Well, you know what? The alternative of not playing football sucks. And they all had to go through that. So whether it's York going 0-6 or any other, or Mac missing the playoffs when U of T and Ottawa, as you said, maybe aren't as good as Mac. You obviously will never truly know. We got a football season in. And uh, at the end of the day, that's, that's, that's probably number one. <laughs> I, I'd imagine I, I can't imagine I can't picture there's there's anyone out there being like you know what I just rather would not have played at all than had whatever the outcome is going to be so you know we got our football in and and luckily enough for those of us who cover it and for those advancing to the playoffs it's going to keep on rolling and so we'll keep on rolling into the final game of the week like I said please stick with us here please you know <laughs> it doesn't get much prettier but just hang tight with us as the Western Mustangs taking their show on the road uh Hanging 66 on the Windsor Lancers in Windsor, obviously there. Um, you know, we tried to, you know, we've kind of teased ourselves in the past that, you know, we don't go aggressive enough on 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 the spreads. And we made a Western a two-touchdown favorite in this one, which, I mean, I'm just going to quickly scroll back to that last matchup they had when it was in in London. And that was a 54-4 to final so somehow western ends up with the better with the the bigger blowout being on the road um you know for starters uh you know once again we'll we'll do an end of the season wrap and kind of talk about you know players that might be graduating or moving on from programs things of that nature um and, and there's always a bit of confusion with that cuz you know eligibility and especially with the covid year it, it gets super confusing Fairly confident this is the end of the Sam Gerrard era for Windsor and uh, ended in unfortunate fashion for him. I don't know if he was injured or what was going on, but he only he only was in the game for about two, yeah, I think two drives before they brought in Danny Skelton. I mean, I'm hoping it's not an injury. I'm hoping that Windsor was like, you know what, this game's this game's probably not going to be too pretty. So let's just in the spirit of Halloween, let's put the guy whose name kind of sounds like Skeleton in the game for us at QB, you know, make a few people chuckle or whatever. But uh, I I don't really know if there's really much we can read into this one. I mean, we saw the backups come in pretty early in the third for Western. Um, you know, another another really solid performance by Evan Hillock, that STM connection, uh, Hillock to uh, Magne Jones working for them as, as well as it has all year. And, and you know, we'll get into some of the, the end of year leaders. I mean, uh, Swan Magne Jones ended up top of the receiving category um, for himself there. Um, I don't know. Do you, like, is there anything of, of note? I mean, we talked about Valente and on defense, what he was able to do and Deontay Knight getting a pick six to open up the scoring on. I think those was the first offensive play. And Knight's a guy that obviously we talked a lot at the beginning of the year and he, he kind of quieted down a little bit. Um, but maybe that was just because this team was rolling so steadily that it's hard to pick out any individual and having a any anyways. What, if anything, do you actually pull from this game that you think? Do you make anything of? Well, I guess looking ahead um, for Western, I think, you know, looking at the quarterback play and mentioning guys ascending, I mean, Evan Hillock's already, you know, at the very least top half of the league um, for me, you know, really impressive performance. Um, he's been impressive all year. And I think um, it can give Western a lot of confidence going into the playoffs here um as a guy who you know can get the job done and 
obviously being a first year kid um, is going to hopefully have a, a long career in front of him for the Mustangs. And, you know, I think going forward in the playoffs, having someone that can get the job done like this to complement what is obviously a very daunting run game. Um, you have to feel confident uh, as good as Queen looks on the Queens looks on the other side, you know, let's be honest. Um, Western's offense has been definitely the more explosive of the two and sort of, you know, I know we talk Keen a lot. Keen does a lot of great things, but you know, Queens hasn't put up a game like this where, or games where the quarterback's thrown for, you know, 300 yards and multiple touchdowns. Um, so <laughs> if we want to get really ahead of ourselves, then, then I'll throw in a comment like that. Um, another thing I'll say is Windsor, I'm sorry. You know, we talk about getting the short end of the stick. You had to play Western twice in one season. Um, so that's rough. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, nothing but positive vibes going forward for these guys. Okay. Positive vibes. You, you had, you know, definitely a solid year. A lot of things to hang your hat on. A lot of, you know, things to use in your sales pitch to recruits. Um, so, yeah, that'll be good for them going forward. But, uh, you know, lick, lick your wounds and uh, start lifting weights. Uh, get ready for next year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing that just I, just I feel like it's every week because I, I, I know not knowing off the top of my head the receiving totals from each Western game. But, you know, obviously uh, him ending up top of the OUA, Magnate Jones consistently, if not the best or be- having the best output for Western um, each game close to it. And but it just it always blows my mind to see that, like, yeah, they still got Brett Ellerman. <laughs> you know, they still got Justin Nixon. <laughs> like, you know, we talk about that dynamic backfield of having Edwards and having Humes and, you know, them getting to play a little Edward uh, Winati. And these last two blowouts as well. I mean, they, they made a comment. I mean, firstly, shout out to the uh, shout out to the um, the broadcast crew in Windsor uh, for shouting shouting us specifically. I think they were giving you some flowers there, Nate. Um, we do we I, do I, we do a good job over here. Apparently, <laughs> apparently, we do a good job. So I'll take it. No, totally. Um, but they were referencing. Uh, I think they had. Inter- they did an interview or they had spoken with Deontay Knight and just Deontay gave them a a comment that just is both so true but so disheartening for the uh, like every other team in the league which is that Western doesn't rebuild they retool <laughs> and that's so damn true and it's just like god god dang it like how how do you deal with that I mean, well, I mean we thought lose, that yeah you lose a heck Creighton winner and, you know, you still have the best offense in the conference. So, And, like, going into this year, we're thinking that they have a, a, a quarterback in Jackson White who was competing with Andreas Duick and Mack and, and transferred over. You're in the system that him alone was going to cause them troubles. Like, no, it's actually the, the you know, second year, but first year eligibility COVID caveats. Um quarterback and Evan Hillock who actually you know steals the show for them and wins the job and not that that's a, a huge surprise given all the fanfare of of Hillock coming into this program from STM but it's just you know uh it's it's uh I, you know I, I guess this was a down year for them five and one is is un I mean obviously it would have normally been an eight game season but a loss uh I, I know a, a number in the loss column is I guess a down a slight 
you know, down year, uh, no matter if it's a six or an eight game season for the Mustangs. So, you know what, I guess um, maybe an A minus performance for them on the regular season, you know, high, high B plus. I don't know. We'll have to see. That's a little, eh, it took them a while to get some of the kinks going. So obviously uh, this team is, is looking in top form and I mean, in so many ways, once again, not to, to jump on or to, to step on, uh, what we'll talk about in more detail later this week, but in so many ways, Waterloo playing Western in the West playoffs at some capacity was something that going into this year, a lot of us were not only expecting, but highly anticipating. And obviously for these two teams, and we saw it two weeks ago, uh, they don't seem to be on the same level, but hey, you know, <laughs> Waterloo, Queens, May, you, you guys might be our only hope left here of, of having something of, of interest. You know, let's just let's just hope we can get an enjoyable game for them. Uh, something to you know, I'll, I'll, I'll most likely be there at TD come uh, next Saturday watching the game, covering it. So let's just hope for me and the uh, the fans we get an enjoyable game. And um, heck, I, I I don't know how you even what what the recipe is to lead to that but I guess fingers toes cross whatever you can possibly cross because dang Western looks good right now uh Nate any last news or notes you want to touch on um that we might not have covered uh with the the final week of the regular season here playoffs talking about playoffs Playoffs. happy happy to be talking playoffs baby that's all I can say that's it man um so you know here we are on Halloween 2021 with the regular season in the books. Looking forward to some very interesting matchups next week. We will obviously be breaking all those down for you on Thursday when we go over our first-round playoff preview episode. Um, really thank you for you know hanging out with us this season. You know, we did our darndest to keep you updated and and hopefully a little entertained as we went through this shortened COVID season but as we kind of said it was just great having football back and it was a pleasure getting to talk about it with uh with all of you um as always make sure you're following us on the socials to stay up to date on, on everything that we're doing at the 55 podcast that's on twitter instagram facebook checking out the website at the 55.ca checking out the blogs buying merchandise as we say every week you're not only supporting our brand but you're helping support stella's place nonprofit that helps support young people with their mental health and we're always happy to support them in all their endeavors so that'll do it for us for right now we'll talk to you later on this week at the 55